You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello again. Welcome back. This is episode 745. I can't believe I'm saying that, but that means we are five podcast episodes away from you and I answering questions that have nothing to do with cars. Wow. It's exciting. And a little terrifying, but it's always fun. <laughs> a little fun. terrifying. It'll, right. be a, it'll be a live podcast on YouTube. We will take questions from all of you in the audience. This is a no car questions podcast is what we do on the 15 It's always exciting. You're right. It's always bizarre, but fun. Good news, everyone. Porsche Germany has opened its first brand store. In downtown Stuttgart. Okay. Doesn't everybody check the Porsche newsroom site? I don't. You don't? This is, this is the first I'm hearing of this. Okay. Yeah. Well, local partners will provide the catering and beverage options, and you can buy Porsche design stuff, and there's a fitting lounge, and you can rent cars, and you can even pre-order your dream car right from that location. So what I'm hearing here is the next time we go on pilgrimage, you're going to drag me to Stuttgart. Totally. To get a Porsche latte and a jacket. Totally. Yeah. I want the cinnamon sprinkles on top of my cappuccino in the shape of they're a 911. Gonna be, they're going to be in the shape of the shield, aren't they? Somebody's figuring some, it out right now. The shield now. is good. Yeah, uh-huh. So this is like the Apple store for Porsche, except that it hosts exclusive events and exhibits and attractions. And the point, according to Porsche Newsroom, is to strengthen the sense of community around Porsche. Not that mm-hmm. anyone investigating the community found it to be weak. <laughs> Those Porsche people don't care. They just don't care. They're not following along. Although more importantly, I see this as more car brands doing this mm-hmm. and partnering with celebrities and filmmakers and artists and designers and photographers, maybe art galleries, think restaurants and wineries and apparel and luxury brands. I mean, imagine the Ford EV, you know, they're carving things off as a uh-huh. separate brand and doing uh-huh. this brand store to bring people to have a sense of community around the cars. I think Genesis could do this, Infinity, Audi. Volvo, Tesla stores could already readapt themselves because they're already kind of doing this. Lucid has lounges as well. The Lucid lounge. You know what I'd like? I'd like the cars to drive well. I know that's crazy. I know I'm way off in the weeds. Well, let me give you an example here. Uh-huh. Subaru yeah. could partner with Bear Grylls. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. I mean, just, uh, all right. just I'm, right I'm, there. I'm, Doesn't that I'm, sound interesting? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see where this goes. <laughs> they already have like the local dog shelter brought dogs to the, to the display. Great. They already yes. do that. Yeah. They could partner with Bear, uh-huh. and they can teach you how to turn your turbocharger into an air fryer so you can cook healthier rodent meat. <laughs> it's like a lunch and learn. Right, ro- road care Bear grills. Can, yes. can, we, can we get one of the celebrity chefs in there, too? You redirect the nozzles out of your turbocharger somehow, and you turn it into an air fryer, and you cook the meat that you killed. Gordon and- Ramsay and Bear Grylls. <laughs> Here we go. Show you See? how to turn your Subaru into a gourmet kitchen in the backcountry. This is all part of the brand experience. Mm. And it's a fosters the community feeling around the car company. And then they've got new models and you can look at them virtually and it connects you to the dealership where you can pre-order your favorite. You officially like this too much. This is great. (laughs) I see more car companies doing this. Porsche is pioneering it. Well, not, they Uh actually aren't. Tesla kind of pioneered it. You're right. That's true. Everybody's doing this. The new thing, there's apparel and you just, you can see the events. There's daytime events. There's nighttime events, restaurants and come drink the scotch or the wine or whatever. I'd like the car to be good. Totally see this happening. (laughs) This is our future. Yay. (laughs) 
Our friends at Haggerty are always doing something new, and they've decided to have a new Haggerty Marketplace. It's your hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classified experience, buyers can shop for vehicles for sale from the Haggerty Drivers Club members, and sellers get access to millions of car lovers. There's all kinds of cars on there, too, so no matter what you're into, you'll find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's fees, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, we highly suggest heading over to Haggerty Marketplace and taking a look around. We know you'll love it. We have an interesting topic Tuesday this time. Yeah, we this, do. This is kind of a fighting words topic Tuesday, because I think <laughs> many of you are going to disagree. We, you and I might disagree. We haven't even talked about it yet. This is coming to us from Tom, and the headline here is, Should Friends Let Other Friends Buy Bad Cars? Ooh. Tom writes to us and asks, what obligation, if any, does one have as an automotive enthusiast to steer your friends and your family away from bad or boring cars? If they do end up purchasing something bad, should you mask your opinions or encourage them to find out whether they can sell it without taking a loss? <laughs> wow. Okay, Great yeah. car you got there turning away as you <laughs> make a face. You know, if you sell that right now, that's terrible follow-up. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, this came up for Tom recently when a colleague excitedly told Tom that he just got a new car. Naturally, Tom asked what it was. And the answer is a Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross. The car no one asked for. Right. Okay. You know, I will say this. Tom, I will say, here's the upside. I bet your friend got a great deal. Thank you for saying that right up front because that might be the only reason people buy cars. We'll some, explore that in just some, a little bit. Some people, I mean, I bet they got a phenomenal deal. And in this market, if you are not a car person, that might be the victory right there. Very well. They may probably well got, I, I, yeah. I would, that's your follow-up question, Tom. We're going to get to lots of other things. But your follow-up <laughs> question is to ask your friend, your colleague, what'd you get it for? Did you get it for MSRP? Because they yeah. might have gotten it with a discount. Well, Tom says this was on a phone call. Oh, thank God. So he, <laughs> he didn't need to hide his facial expression. And he managed to say something along the lines of, congratulations, I hope that works out for you. <laughs> Could you imagine how much worse this would have been on a Zoom call? Yes. Yeah. Nobody says that, though, when you buy a new car. I hope that works out for you. Yeah. Well, I, me too. I hope it runs. Yeah, yeah congrats. You have a warranty. <laughs> Hopefully you got it cheap. Fantastic. Well, Tom, we're here to explore. And it made me think of all these other questions, mm-hmm. like, you know, which current cars are bad? I generated a long list, actually. <laughs> But that also begs the question, is Consumer Reports the only source of truth? Mm. Does that make, I mean, how do we know which video you watch about which car? Mm -hmm. There's multiple videos for the single model, Mm -hmm. and everybody has a different opinion. Sure, sure. And ultimately, we want you to watch us and come away and form your own, ultimately, with a test drive, drive homework. But new models are coming at the public so quickly these days, I think it's tough for the average consumer to keep up. People will bring up a model, and all of us who consume news, mm-hmm. I mean, the new Mustang is kind of old news right now. <laughs> Most it's, consumers don't even know there's a new seventh-generation Mustang. Isn't going to be out for 18 months, and we've all forgotten because it was like two weeks ago, man. The new Nissan Z is just barely being visible in the wild. Yes, hey, true. there's the new Nissan Z. True. According to all of us who consume car information, that's like the oldest thing. What are you talking about? That was like six months ago. That was a year ago. Where the Z's been out a long time, guys. Like, where are you? Yeah, for sure. Welcome to the GR Corolla, GR86. GR86s are in such high demand. Yes. They're just be appearing in the wild. I was at our local Cars and Coffee this week, 
which was gorgeous. We, we just posted photos from it. And I was, there was a second GR86 there. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. I was shocked because anytime I've brought our blue with gold wheels GR86 to my local cars and coffee, I have been the sole car. We've had it more than six months. Yes. It's like old news. Yes. Well, we've had it more than six months on a car that, quote unquote, you can't see it, came out a year ago. <laughs> right. And yet my local Cars and Coffee, which yep. has everything and is in Park City where people have money to spend stupidly, I've been the only one, which is crazy. Jeez. Tom, your colleague didn't ask what you thought, except he sort of did because you said he offered this information excitedly. He clearly wanted you to know. Knows, knows you're a car yeah, enthusiast. He knows he's a car person, yeah. And excitedly told you. Yeah. And wants some sort of reaction. A little bit more than, hope that works out for you. Yeah. You calling my baby ugly? <laughs> <laughs> Look away. Cover your mouth. Cover your mouth. But that means, Tom, your opinion is respected. Yeah. So you do have some wiggle room here, I feel like. Mm, interesting. Okay. I feel like you could say, ooh, what made you go in that direction? Did you get a deal on it? What kind of deal did you mm. get on it? You can ask some probing mm. questions that might not be quite as offensive at first. Like, oh, great. What characteristics made you settle on that? Did you do That's a lot key. of driving? Yeah. How yeah. did you arrive at that? Mm-hmm. Did you just show up at a deal and they had one and you had money and it was a deal and a yeah. match made in heaven just because they had one and you had the money? Yeah. Yeah, that that's a great follow-up. How question. did you get there? Whiteboard it out them. for me. Exactly. Why did you what send pie charts? Interesting. Why why the eclipse cross? You you can put it back on them and, mm-hmm. and then they can say, Well, I drove this and such and such feature appealed to me. Mm-hmm. It might not be style or build quality or handling and all the metrics that we look at. It could be something like it was a great deal and it had a lot of space for the thing that I like to do. It's gonna be you know, when I was in high school. Oh, my yeah. buddy had a Mitsubishi Eclipse and it was awesome. And it this is like the that. SUV version. Totally like the SUV uh-huh. version. That's exactly right. what it's like. So at this point, it doesn't matter the cost of the car because low or high, they are bad cars. But who gets to say what car is bad? I mean, you've heard us talk about yeah, cars yeah. we think are bad, but are there specific elements that we can point to? Like the power, the style, the handling? And someone might not realize or care how bad the handling is, as I said. True. They might not realize it, not having driven a lot of cars, that this actually is kind of a turd. But it doesn't drive well at all. For so many people, that is actually an irrelevancy. But it's different than the last car they had. Oh, and and it's so much nicer because your last car was older. (laughs) Right. This has Apple CarPlay. I mean, it has a wireless charger. This one actually has heated seats. I didn't have that in my last car. I mean, I have had this conversation with many, many people where I'm realizing that the reasons for the buy have nothing to do with anything I would have considered about the car, which is why I came in going, you bought that? And then halfway through the conversation, I'm like, oh, I see. If you were to ask designers at any car company, they wouldn't be drawing SUVs, maybe some pickup trucks because they're pretty useful, but SUVs, I mean, yeah, they are useful too, I suppose, but that's not what designers want to sketch. Mm-hmm. They sketch sports cars, Lotuses and Amiras and yeah, all these yeah. cool looking th- shapes and things. If it were up to the design team, they would draw the cool stuff yeah, and yeah. just build that. Yeah. But fortunately or unfortunately, it's not up to the design team. It's up mm. to the product planners and then the people running the car company who realize they need to make money, so we need Mm. to make what people want to buy. Those of us voting with our wallets Uh, are the big factor, yeah. My list of bad cars is long. Okay. Starting with the Volkswagen Taos, then moving on to the Tiguan, the Atlas, the Jetta, and the ID4. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. I'm going to try to recover, but this is off to a great start. How am I wrong? Where, well, okay. where am I off base here? I just, am just I off go, base? I'm just going to let you run. It's, it's, it's your show right now. It's all good. We've decided that the Golf R and the GTI are the best cars Volkswagen builds, despite all the models in Germany that we don't get. Most of them start with the letter T. The Taigo, the T-Cross... Uh, the T-Rock. We had one T-Rock of those as a, as a rent when we were there. We rented some that it was like, I've never heard of that, but I know what it is. It's one of the sea of SUVs from Volkswagen that's only sold in Germany, or at least Europe. Turan, the Tiguan Allspace, the Passant variant, the Ardeon shooting brake, the Chiron, Sharon, Sharon, Chiron, and of course the Ardeon as well. They make so many other models that... I don't know why they need to exist. The T-Rock looks like a golf. We kind of liked the Ardeon, and I think it was the Turon was what we had, which is like this weird, oblong, extra big golf. Yeah. (laughs) They were all weird. Many Maseratis, including the Ghibli. Not a fan. I can't say the Levante turns my crank either. (laughs) Hopefully it turns its own crank and starts and then runs. Yes. Honda CRV. No. You're not a fan. Yeah. Uh No, Uh just no. Lexus RX 450H. Just think. <laughs> you could hire a band that plays the doors just like they're steel drums and look at uh-huh. our quality. And that what what I'm worried about is we're, you're going to send lots of our listeners running for the hills with this list because people are going to be like, well, I'm not listening to those anymore. They don't like my car. Keep going with your list. I'm listening. Cadillac CTS. Does anybody need a Chevrolet Trax? Do you even know that the tracks exist? Let me start with tracks. T R A X. Do you yes. know that this car exists? It's it's the affordable. The it's the affordable base. Yeah. The 2024 is coming. It uh-huh. might be different. But the Trax, the Ford EcoSport is the Ford equivalent. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Ford Edge. Do we need an Edge anymore? We've got the Explorer. We've got all the SUVs. Do we need the Edge well, still? You know, it has to be down there with the Maverick. When the Maverick, I have to hit it again, is the cheapest vehicle Ford makes right now is the Maverick of all things. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. But it's interesting that it is it's even cheaper than those little guys. The BMW 2 Series Grand Coupe. Yeah, that really should just go straight to the crusher. Just that like off the lot. the hair the in the crusher. back of your neck stand. That, that is, that's highly. I, I've seen a There's couple a of those. crusher right at the end of the yes. factory door. They yes, just, just straight we in. We should stop making these because we're just wasting our time. Can we recycle all of that material? I've seen a couple of them in the wild, including one that I saw a woman driving with brand new, like just bought at manufacturer's plates. And I, I she was a complete stranger. And I was just like, no. Please. No, no, can I? Oh, if I only I'd caught you sooner. I don't even know her. Anyway. <laughs> Intervention needed. Yes. Chrysler Pacifica. No. Hey, if, other if, minivans are better. Well, sorry. They're uh, all better. Okay. All right. I could argue on that one, but keep going. Does anybody hang out on the Buick website? Or the Jaguar website, for that matter? Do you look at I anything? <laughs> I anything. The F-type is awesome. The but F-type I hear you. is awesome. It isn't an SUV. True. It's the car that designers want to sketch. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Anything from Nissan with a CVT? Yeah, that's, that wipes out a massive amount of that lineup. <laughs> it just wipes out a huge thank swath God they, of that Thank website. God they put a nine-speed in a lot of a few. They've saved a few things with that nine-speed. Infinity QX80. I can't believe that's still around. Uh-huh, it exists. The QX60 is too expensive for what you get. Get a Pathfinder. You should just get a Pathfinder. We did that test drive. Yeah. That's where my list stops, but <laughs> I just decided to stop because I needed to stop. You were going alphabetical and you just stopped God. at I. <laughs> but then there's cars like the Chevy Blazer. It doesn't look anything like a Blazer, and Chevy should have taken the Blazer name and made it a cool Blazer to compete against the Ford Bronco. Should have. 
And yet, the blazer is surprisingly good. If you get it in the RS10, we actually enjoyed it. And the and the upcoming electric version is benefiting from trickle down of all of the majorly yes. expensive, like the Hummer EV electrics that they made. It's winding up as a somewhat uh, affordable EV. It's going to be the more affordable version of the Cadillac Lyric that we drove, and the Lyric surprised us. Mm-hmm. The new Blazer yes. is going to be the little bit smaller, cheaper version of that in EV form, and actually might be good. I wonder about current EVs. Mm. If there's some that will turn out to be bad because enough time passes, and as it turns out, the batteries don't have the expected lifetime, and mm. they need changing. But the car itself is still good. It's still in fine shape and should still be driven, but then the money to replace the battery. Mm. Will that make cars bad, current EVs bad in the future? Remains to be seen. We don't know. We're not there yet. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's tough. So I suppose it's a deal, but ultimately, Tom, all this comes back to... I think you do have a little leeway Mm. because this person approached you with some excitement in their voice and they wanted you to know Yeah, if they didn't care about you knowing about their new car, they wouldn't have said a word Mm -hmm. and you would have known you would have discovered it and went, is that your new car? (laughs) But no, they came to you and said, Hey, so you can ask probing questions and maybe part of that conversation will lead you to, Hmm. Okay. Had you considered the, you know, any of the Mazda Mm. SUVs, CX-5, you know, that kind of thing. You could make some other suggestions and they might shoot you down. They might say, you know what? I drove that very thing you suggested. Didn't like it. And at that point, all you can say is, okay, at least you did your drive homework. Interesting. Okay. Right. I have have some counter thoughts here, Tom, because this is, this is rakes and landmines, my friend. This is, is. this is tough. And and I will say this to you, Tom, the, the one, unfortunately, you're really late to this discussion with this colleague because they brought it up after they bought it. Right. right. If they had told you two weeks ago, hey, I'm car shopping, there's a very different conversation that can go on because then you can go, hey, what are you looking at? Is there an annulment if, period for car it, loans? Exactly. And if they say, well, I'm looking at the Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross, you can be like, okay, what else have you driven in that? And you can start bringing up ideas. This is a, this is a post-mortem. Mm-hmm. This is, I already bought it. Yeah. Isn't it cool? And it is like showing off the unattractive baby. Look at my child. Oh, no, no, no. You can't do that. You have to be like, oh, so sweet. You have to. You have to. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, at least it's asleep right now. Anyway, no, but oh I just, God. but this is the problem. So the, one of the big headlines, and I want to go into a couple other things here, Tom. One of the big headlines is you have to, you have to weigh this on how much it affects your life. Because if this person huh. bought the car and they're excited about it, all you can do, I think, is ask questions to find out why they're excited. You're trying not to throw up in your hat, and I get that. But you can ask them questions about, so why the Eclipse Cross? Or what, what, what drew you to that car? Or did you get a good deal? Or these mm-hmm. kind of things mm-hmm. that let them unpack why they got, got it. You may still not get and understand it, but you might see why they get to that conclusion. And you can be like, oh, okay, I see that. And it affects Tom if they're going to want to drive to lunch all the time. That See, this is the flip side, though, is what is the car? Is it going to affect you like cars that my parents or my in-laws are going to buy? I am I am coming in swinging elbows. I am weighing in. <laughs> I okay? guess it depends on your relationship level with it that de- person. It depends right? on your relationship, and it depends on how much it affects you. Okay, yeah. if it doesn't affect you, it's your colleague and they're going to park in the parking lot and you don't care. Then Could you not park inside of my office window, please? <laughs> exactly. Just don't park, park there around the corner. And I'm fine. No, but but you can have these conversations where where you can just now you can 
allow them to be excited, even though you would have chosen differently. And that's absolutely fine. If it's going to affect you, then you can get in there. But I'll, but I'll give you the, the gray area here. And that is when my mother-in-law bought her latest Lexus, mm-hmm. you and I recently drove the Lexus NX and mm-hmm. we really we liked the updated NX. For sure. But my mother-in-law, yeah. who has owned a string of Lexi, okay, she's owned multiple that I thought were just Blandsville. She had an original LS when they first came out, and that car was awesome. But since then, she's owned just a string of bland, mid-grade Lexus sedans, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Her last car was worth a little bit, and it was time to get out of it about a year or so ago. So the new NX wasn't out yet. She right. started shopping for it. She wanted an SUV because she lives in the mountains now, and she wanted all-wheel drive. We're doing all the things, okay? All the ways that I don't shop for a car. But she was able to get a good deal on the outgoing NX, which for anybody else I would not have ever recommended because I knew that the new NX with the new interface was coming. But this is a woman who lived through two versions of the prior So even though I would have never recommended that anybody get the outgoing NX because the new interface was coming, here she was having owned two Lexus with this bad interface already. So she knew the bad interface. She was familiar with it. It was comfortable to her. Mm-hmm. So it was like, well, that's actually not a takedown problem. Now you can get a good deal. And she, even in spite of the fact I mentioned many other non-Lexus products, she is the perfect Lexus buyer because she just wants that great warranty reliability and she wants the service where she drives in and they give her white glove service and they give her a loaner car and all of that. And for her lifestyle, perfect. So I encourage her to get into the outgoing NX and she loves it. Not something I would have chosen. I guess I haven't heard. She she really does. She loves it. She absolutely loves it. And when the new one showed up and I drove it within having been in her, because she always (laughs) parks on our driveway and then I have to move her car. So I'm in it all the time. And I had driven it recently and we got in the new NX and I was like, oh no, this is so much better. But (laughs) she was buying a year ago and it made sense for her. So you have to kind of walk through that, Tom. But here's the new iPhone's out. Yeah, exactly. Oh no. So you can talk to people if they approach you after the fact only to find out why they did it. And if they had a conversation with you before the fact and you share your thoughts and they still go against your recommendations, there's nothing you can do. They spent their money. I'm going to give you other things not car-related to talk about this. Do you have a friend? I am this friend. I'm aware of it. Do you have a friend who knows a lot about movies and is picky about their movies? Okay. Have you ever been offended because that friend can't believe you liked that movie you liked? I had to catch myself on this. When I was seriously in the movies in Hollywood, I had to start catching myself because I would have some movie that was just... Some I worked on at New Line was just, that movie was so terrible. And I would come, run into somebody who was like, we love that movie. We watch that movie every year. And you can su- I suddenly realized I'm on the wrong side of this conversation because that movie, for whatever reason, spoke to them. And I could give you all of the quote-unquote right reasons why that movie's terrible, but it worked for them. And I had to really figure out how to back that off. I had to start not talking to people about like, I couldn't come in the door swinging elbows about which movies are terrible because some people like movies I didn't like. I know people that are this way about food or wine. Oh, I am the guy that sits at a table of however many people and I just don't drink. I don't have a problem with the fact people drink. I don't drink. Do you know anybody that's snobby about Whiskey and scotch? I know a couple, yeah. yeah. You do? Um, yeah, I have, a, I have mm. a friend. You may have heard of him. Anyway, the, but the point I'm making here is I am the guy that never orders alcohol at dinner. It's very interesting to be at a dinner with people that are specifically there to drink wine and to yeah. be the guy that doesn't drink wine. And I have been on both sides of this conversation. Some people are like, oh, okay, whatever. Other people are like, wait, what now? <laughs> you ordered a soda? 
I, I've I've had that conversation where it's just like, well, this just took a turn. So I did my, that with coffee. <laughs> coffee is kind of my jam too. So you you have to, if the people if people are sharing you their new baby that they love, you have to just smile and nod and admit that it's gorgeous or how happy you are for them, and ask them the questions about why they're so happy and why they liked their car choice. <laughs> if they're coming to you for you to be a source of information prior to the fact, then you can share the things that you like, but you still have to step carefully there. I think the biggest headline here is: Does it affect your life? And if it doesn't, you got to let it ride. Tom, if this colleague offers a drive to you, what are you going to say? <laughs> you hey, you want to drive? drive my new car? No, I really want you to drive it and tell okay. me what you think. Yeah. Because that, that's also careful stepping right there. Yeah. We all want to talk about the go fast parts. We're thinking of putting on our vehicles. But what about the stop fast parts? Brakes are an essential part of your vehicle's maintenance, and upgrading is better than just simply replacing. You can transform your vehicle into a stopping powerhouse with a Power Stop Brake Upgrade Kit that includes carbon ceramic brake pads, drilled and slotted rotors, and all the stainless steel hardware that you need to complete your upgrade. Power Stop is on a mission to provide a complete and affordable brake upgrade kit for pretty much every vehicle on the road. If you tow, they have that. Off-road, track days, they have all that as well. They even have kits for brand new vehicles like our Toyota GR86. Take care of your brakes and even improve them by heading to PowerStop.com and entering your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder that'll match you with the right brake kit for your vehicle. Lucas is in San Antonio, Texas. He writes to us as a single... 30-year-old, newly graduated emergency room doctor with a little over $300,000 in student loan debt. Now that he is done with his 12 years of training after high school, he's ready to pursue his car disease. (laughs) 24th grade. There it is again. All right. Yes. Got it. 25th grade, I guess. Yeah. 25th grade. He's read multiple finance books that emphasize the importance of frugality at the beginning of one's career, but that's why he has written to us. (laughs) Because he knows that's what he's supposed to do, but he is also a car person, and now he's got some money coming in. He says only the everyday driver community understands how a fun car can improve your quality of life. Yes, and San Antonio is not too far from the few but excellent good driving roads in Texas. Well, he's been infected with a car disease ever since he can remember. During his childhood, he would long after the worst era of Mustangs, like the early 2000s before (laughs) they returned to the classic styling. Okay. He envied the rich kids that received brand new and classic muscle cars in high school. Mm -hmm. Wow. I knew those kids. He will be working in San Antonio and plans to live downtown where smaller sizes of cars would be helpful for parking. Mm -hmm. He would also be working a few shifts every month near the border. Okay. He's got family in Dallas and Houston, so he says traveling at Autobahn speeds is important. (laughs) There are a couple of freeways in Texas. There's that one uh, toll road that has the highest speed limit in the nation, so that does exist. Fantastic. Well, he hopes to eventually get a two-car garage, and he would like practical, comfortable, reliable, something daily to get him around town to work and that long-distance travel comfortably. He would also like to have a convertible, mostly for fun and style. Mm. Right now, he's considering a $50,000 budget for either just the daily and waiting to buy the fun toy car mm. or splitting that fifty grand between two cars. I mean, what's another fifty grand with three hundred thousand dollars worth of debt, right? No, just, no, 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 no. He's just saying no. He's just saying fifty grand, two cars. So that means split that money. It doesn't mean hundred grand. We're not there yet. Well, no, I'm just saying. You know, it's I'm just, just a, saying. A, yeah, a bit more on top I'm, of the uh, yeah. current debt. 
but that's okay. You're, you've written to the right people. <laughs> or the wrong people, depending right, upon who's looking people. at your books. Yeah. Now, he's never driven a manual, and he wants the toy to include this drivetrain so that he can be, be considered a true car enthusiast and prove his manhood. <laughs> By the way, just so you know, I, I want to clarify this, Lucas. Um, no one's checking. <laughs> no one's checking if anybody could drive a manual, and nobody has got a clipboard anywhere checking you off as officially clipboard. a car enthusiast because you drive a manual. Now, it is a really cool skill, and I, a person who cannot dance, am proud of myself that I can be coordinated enough to shift a manual transmission and occasionally heel-toe halfway decent, okay? But no one's checking, just so you know. Well, Lucas says he just doesn't want his cars to repel his future wife. Okay, all right. Fair enough. All right. Well, his car history is pretty sparse. Includes a 98 Chevy Tahoe, a 99 Acura TL that his roommate totaled, Oof. an 03 Honda Civic, and his current 2016 Volkswagen GTI. He loves it for its practicality, fuel economy, great interior quality, easy tunability, and aftermarket support. He's got a stage one tune from APR that mm. increases horsepower and torque to 300. He loves the turbo kick. He loves the noises. He just doesn't like the torque steer and the rough ride and the poor sound system. Well, you you did tune that car to 300 horsepower and yeah. torque. I'm not surprised you're now fighting torque steer. Yeah. This is not that. that that's pretty much. pretty much what follows. On one hand, for the daily, he's dreaming about the Genesis G70, the BMW M2 or M3 or M4, an AMG C43 or 63. Wow. Yeah. Cadillac CTS, CT4 or Mustang GT, Alpha Julia, or an old Porsche 911. Hmm, okay. He is happy paying for quality, but he's also a sucker for a good deal. Boy, do I have a Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross with your name on it. They're practically giving those things away. Yeah, they're great. For his toy car, he's envisioning the Supra, Corvette, Miata, BMW Z3 or Z4, F-Type, or a Boxster. He says the idea of an old Mercedes SL intrigues him, but scares him. Mm. It should. (laughs) Imagine V12, Mercedes SL. 20, 20 years 20 old. 20 years old, exactly. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes, yeah. His dream car is the AMG GT, or if money is no object, some Aston Martin. And again, since he doesn't know how to drive stick, he might just buy a cheap car to start off with and then upgrade it in the future when he has more money. Mm. Wow, he's been listening since 2016. That's cool. Thank you so much, Lucas. That's awesome. Lucas also sends along some photos of his recent IKEA trip. He says there were people in the parking lot taking bets if he could fit it all in, and he was successful. The car is crammed with flat pack furniture. This is the most overloaded GTI in history, and he somehow drove that home. And nothing is tied to the roof, by the way. That's amazing. You could just use your arm to hold it down. I'll be fine. My arm's really strong. Lucas, congratulations on graduating the 25th grade. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we need more doctors. The slightest cut from an X-Acto knife. I'll fall over the slightest side of blood. So the we need people like you. The discussion of blood I makes can't Paul a little it. pale. He's yeah. just like, yeah. I need to get out of the room. I need air. Yeah. So thank you for being a doctor. We need doctors. As a physician, you have a car driving stereotype to uphold. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start picking people's cars entirely based on what they do for them. Well, you have to drive one of these. Do Well, isn't that part of your Hippocratic oath? Enshrined since the 11th century Greek medical text? First, do no harm. Second, buy a Porsche as soon as you graduate med school. All of the above right? is true, yes. As an ER doctor, you're going to need to get places quickly. <laughs> right? I'm enjoying how you're selling this. Please keep going. Let's start off with a car that's fun and maybe work to a manual car and an, and an older car in your life. Don't start off with an old car. Really, don't. 
Also, you're probably going to want to trade cars frequently in your future. You've got a long road ahead of you, a car ownership road ahead of you to buy all kinds of fun cars as you whittle down your debt, as you make more money and become this amazing doctor. There's going to be fun cars in your life. So you don't have to solve everything right now. That's true. You really don't. There really is time, yep. So for that reason, I want to spend all of that $50,000 just a skosh more. Uh, I'm not surprised. And get you one car because... I want you to learn manual before you go get a fun car. I don't want you to get a fun car that is a manual and try to learn on it and mm, get frustrated mm-hmm. with it and say, these aren't fun. It's not what I hoped. Get rid of it. I want you to have the skill and build up the skill mm, of learning mm. manual. Friends cars, friends, family fools. Who, who's who got a manual I can learn on? Sure, yeah, yeah. Rent something. Yeah. Borrow something, a forum. Who will help me learn manual transmission? And then once you decide, huh, because not all manuals are created equally, nor are clutches. True, very they true. They all feel differently. Yep. So if you can get time in a Miata, yep. if you can get time in a Z3, you know, work your way up. So then when you do settle on, hmm, I think I'm ready for that fun car. Whatever you add will be that nice challenge, but mm. you'll like the interaction of the shifter. You'll mm. have sort of done shifter homework, clutch yeah, homework. Okay, there you go. I right? get it. Yeah. But you're going to need a car right now, and you need a car that says, you mentioned Autobahn. What's the fastest thing on the Autobahn? Audis. <laughs> the black or silver Audi. Audis. And it's, and it's not the R8, mind you. It's no. Just, it's just the mid-grade sedan. The A6 behind <laughs> yes. you really, really wants to get by. I mean, I'd like to start you out with the RS6 Avant that might overshoot the moon just a little bit, overshoot and the budget a slightly. Lot. Yeah, uh-huh. So I am, for whatever reason, I see you in an RS3. Oh, okay. I just see him sure. rocking okay. an RS3. Sure. It yeah. says a measure of success. It doesn't mm. say I'm blowing it out. Yeah. It doesn't say you're being irresponsible, but I want something nice, sporty, fun, great for dates, great for Autobahn. Mm-hmm. I'm, excuse me, Texas Highway Cruising. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it'll be a great car. Plus, it's from Volkswagen Group, and you've got that GTI, which you love. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of the car you've wanted to build that GTI into mm. stock. From the dealership. Okay. All right. Got a lot of power. 401 horsepower. I see it. Yeah. You don't need all-wheel drive living in Texas, but still. But it gets him away from pure front-wheel drive, which is what he's had. It does. Yeah, yeah. And even though we have not driven the latest generation RS3, we hear very good things about it. Apparently, it's more engaging than we think it is, which is exciting. Mm. But if you do want engaging, and I, I see you in the RS3. But you also need to look at that M2. And I like that you suggested the M2 or that 2 Series, the prior 240i. Mm-hmm. You could get that with For sure. the dual clutch. For sure. And I mean, I suppose you could have that eventually for your track car. It's going to eat consumables. But I see this as still something interesting, fun. It's going to be good on the highway. It's going to be small and compact enough for your needs. But it has, again, that right balance between you know, starting out my career... I've kind of made it. I'm on my way. Not too expensive. I mean, they're expensive, no doubt. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, I I kind of see that based on your love of cars and where you're what you're looking for. But again, think about whatever you choose is going to be with you for a few years. But I think you're going to soon want something else. Mm, so think of this as the fun. I'm going to taste fun driving. I'm going to try that out, and I'm going to graduate to something else. And then the fun car is going to come along, and I'm going to start tracking Miatas. And then mm, interesting. Maybe, maybe a GR86. Yeah, yeah. I start sure, doing track sure. days with yeah. one of those. And then the next bigger fun car or daily com- car comes along. Sure, sure. This is just to start out with. But again, a measure of success, not too much, but still really fun, different than you've had. Rear-wheel drive. 
I like that M2. I like the 2 Series. Any 2 Series. 2 Series is very doesn't good. doesn't have to it's be the M2. Too, I mean, yeah. the M2 is pretty baller. Yeah. But you could just start 240i. There's so much fun to be had. Every time we go back to Germany and drive those, they're just loads of fun. Yeah, for sure. That's very good. Lucas, I broke this down two ways. First off, I looked at your, your actual requirements. $50,000, rear-wheel drive, can be fun and stylish, can also go on road trips comfortably go on road trips, mm-hmm. which means you're going to have to carry some stuff when you do that. But mostly it's just commuting and fun driving. And I buy think it. he got all the Ikea stuff done. I, I think Ikea is Based on the pictures and the load it's in his crazy. car. Yeah. So good riding, usable, reliable, manual, convertible, all of these things. You got $50,000 and really the car for you if you're buying one right now that checks every single box is a Porsche Boxster, the most Porsche Boxster you can buy. You would happily go to Houston or Dallas in that car. You'd happily go wherever you need to. It's a perfect car to drop the top. It's everything you're asking for. I still don't know that it's right for right now. Mm -hmm. I do really like it. $50,000 on a Boxster, you would literally, everything you've sent us as a requirement is solved by that car. Mm. But I think you're not quite there yet because you'd be jumping directly from a GTI into a Porsche mid-engine Manual transmission, there's a lot of stuff to overcome there. So I kind of wonder about the two-car scenario. Now, it sounds like you can have a car now, and you can add another one later. You're hoping. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm not sure about all of this, but I I took your 50 grand, and I broke it down, and it gave you options on both sides. And first off, the $30,000 range, 30, maybe 32 or so, get yourself a used Alpha Julia, the base. Okay. Get yourself a used first-gen Genesis G70. Yeah. Yep. Or one of, or any two series that you can. Be sure you get the all-wheel drive version in automatic. This is not your car to chase manual. This is just, it is a nice, classy doctor's car that can do road trips. It has plenty of room to, to, to throw stuff in it. it but the thing that's, that's key about all of these is they're all rear-wheel drive and fun to drive. Yeah, they're auto and they're, you know, an executive car and that kind of stuff, but they're rear-wheel drive and fun to drive. Yeah. Go yeah. out uh, west of uh, San Antonio and Austin into the hill country, find some of those good roads and just enjoy that car. Then we start hunting with that extra 15 to 20 grand. We start hunting. Must spend money. Yes. For the fun car that also accomplishes other things you want, which is convertible and manual. This is where you cover that base. And this is where you're looking for, look at our cheap sports car comparison, but this is where I think for you, you want either a Miata MX-5, okay, okay, another used Boxster, or a BMW Z4. Convertible, manual, fun focus. They don't have to do anything else. They don't have to do any heavy lifting. They can, but they don't need to. The thing is, if you bought yourself one of those old used sports cars in manual, and you barely get it off the dealership lot because you don't have to drive. You don't know really how to drive a manual. Have to take a friend with you. Whatever. Who cares? Sure, sure. Because you have the nice daily sedan that is also a great place to be and a fantastic thing for saw and miles, and it's still real real wheel drive. But then you can just take that convertible on the weekend and get better at it and enjoy it. But if now something goes wrong with it, or it needs tires, or I really did wreck the clutch, you spent fifteen grand on it. And so it's not like, yeah. oh, I just, you know, I just, I, I spent, I spent $48,000 on a Boxster and it's awesome. And then something broke or I broke something. I could see a cheaper Boxster, the, the yeah. 15 to $20,000 Boxster being the, as the second car. The second yeah. car. So I even even yeah. though I, I do see how the Boxster checks every box, I think one of these used sedans that's rear wheel drive and fun and gets you into, cause you haven't really had the rear wheel drive fun car world that gets you into that. You can enjoy it, and then you can buy the cheaper little convertible manual and be like, oh, now this is cool. And then that goes back to what you were saying, Paul, and that is, what's next, Lucas? 
There's because gonna I think be a if you have next. those couple of cars, then you can really get a perspective and be like, you know what I really want? I really like these things out of these two cars, and you can chase the combination, or you can upgrade both your cars now. Mm-hmm. Want to do mm-hmm. the fun thing a little more this way, and do the sedan a little more this way. You'll have options and ideas. Lots of great questions today, guys. Thank you so much for sending them in. I'm going to start here with uh, Facebook. Seth is asking, now that work from home is a thing, does the phrase don't raise your paycheck take on a new meaning? I guess you're right. If you don't have to drive anywhere. Maybe so. Then you could just take that car to the track this weekend, and if it gets wrecked, you don't have to drive anywhere. I mean, what what probably is the case is you probably still have some places to go, and having a car would be nice. But you're right. It's less of a concern to how do I get to work if you're walking from your bedroom to the office. Shout out to Andrew McFarlane, who went with us on our pilgrimage trip in 2022 on October 5th. His daughter was born, and he couldn't be happier. Congratulations, Andrew. Really appreciate you coming along. And you were talking about that on the trip, too. You wanted to get the trip done before... Family life started, so we're uh, his, really his very you. pregnant wife was like, "You go," and I, I was applauding her from a distance. I hope she could hear me because I couldn't believe she was <laughs> like, "Yeah, go." So th- that's awesome that the new part of your life has started. That's really cool. The Bruce B says, "How do people who aren't renters get items like power stop mm. brakes installed on their car? Do you find a shop that sells them, order online and bring to a shop, or find a guy with old cars in his front yard and ask him to install?" <laughs> I suppose maybe. <laughs> I suppose. Be careful of that guy, but sure. But if he props anything up with cinder blocks, run away. <laughs> well, you know how we did it, the Bruce, is we went to our local tire shop. Yeah. And they're also an automotive repair shop. They're voted one of the best in Park City. We like Kyle, who runs it, and it's called Cox Automotive. Maybe there's something similar where you yep. live. And we said, hey, we need this installed. I did that for the expedition. Mm-hmm. And I said... I need a brake bleed. I need new rotors and pads installed. Could you do that as part of the brake job? I'm bringing you parts that I want. And that's really the relationship part. Can I bring you parts that you'll put on my car for me? You're charging me labor and anything extra like a brake bleed. Mm-hmm. You know, they're providing the the parts and, and the fluid there too. So a bit of a relationship. Some, some shops don't really like you yeah, bringing yeah. parts in. They want to sell you everything, and I suppose mark it up too. But there's other shops, if they know you're going to continually come back for business, for tires, mm-hmm. for automotive repair, then they might be a little more lenient because you're yeah. a customer at that point. It is the relationship thing. Paul nailed that because some shops actually don't want to do it because they, they are concerned about the liability of customer-provided parts. Of course. That is that. a thing. Yeah. And I have actually heard of shops being like, I want you to sign... Mm-hmm. this that you're bringing parts in and so i don't have to worry about the warranty of the quality of the parts you can bring i've heard of that happening i've heard of others like our situation where we have enough relationship with our mechanic that they understand okay power stop parts are coming in we're going to bring in the parts i need you guys to do the labor that happens as well it really is going to be a case-by-case basis some shops will flat out refuse to let the customer bring parts in and at that point you're going to have to find somebody else true i suppose you could ask the shop to order you specifically power stop brakes and let them do the ordering and let them do the install. And and that should be fine. Because that would appear on their list of approved parts. Many times they'll say, hey, we got three choices of rotors. Which do you want? Mm -hmm. And you'll say, I don't know. Yeah. Power stop. So at at that point you can specify, hey, would you order this? This is the kit I'm looking at. That's good. Please Mm -hmm. order it for me. And that way you never touch it. Well, and you and I have got these weird specialty cars we keep bringing in, okay? <laughs> yeah. So what's interesting yeah. is that the Z car is a great example, okay? Like when I've had stuff I've needed for the 300ZX, one of the definitive places is Z1 Motorsports in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. If we're looking for parts for the Z, guess what? Our local mechanic is on Z1 Motorsports, just like I would be to find sure. those parts. Exactly. So you're right. Bringing them a website and going, I'd like this stuff should be fairly straightforward. It sort of helps point them in the right direction too. Tom Hall asks about the cheap sports car challenge. Can't believe it's been over well over a year now. Yeah, it has. If we didn't take our BMW and the Mercedes-Benz, what other cars would we have taken? Well, we talked about this a, a bit, and that would have been a Porsche and a Miata. We, yeah, we I, didn't want to do the the usual suspects. And I, I might have gone Toyota MR2 Spider, but I think we were mostly leaning Toyota, pardon me, the Miata and the Boxster. We were like, we can't pick the obvious ones, which is why we wound up in the very atypical choices of that group. Question from Way Donald Water Street asking about V4 engines. Why are they so rare in the automotive world historically? And they're pretty much unheard of now in the car world. Mm. A lot of it, I suppose the high center of gravity. And if you're putting the time and energy and investment dollars into building a more complex V4 instead of an I4, Mm. which are cheaper to build and manufacture, then why not just go flat for, and that gives you a better weight balance. It puts the center of gravity lower in the car. So we're seeing that, but for the most part, complexity, it does make better power in some cases than an inline four, but a lot of it has to do with manufacturing as well. Anthony Zerg is asking me a question, and I'm a bit confused by it, but I'm going to try to walk my way through it. He is asking, why are YouTube videos always so poorly cut? Now, what I think this is about is actually not how this first presents, because he said there's always a split second of the next scene before the ad starts. What you're responding to, Anthony, is actually not the edit that was submitted to YouTube. What you're mm-hmm. responding to is where the ads are populating on your YouTube viewing experience. And this is something that we fight with, and I don't like it, but I do not have a solve. Any content provider that is pushing videos up to YouTube, you can pick where the, the ads populate. Now, if you don't pick, YouTube picks for you. And it's always a disaster. Just, they will just pop up wherever YouTube thinks there's a break in the commentary and they'll put an ad there. We go through, and I'm sure a lot of other people go through, and we place the ads. Now, in the case of our TV content, we have actual normal commercial breaks that exist because it was on TV. Mm-hmm. So we will place them in the dead center of the black space where the commercial would go. I, I want you to understand this. I put them in the dead center of that black space, which is a second long. So theoretically, it should fade out of the act, fade out of where we were, play you an ad, perfectly fade into the next part. However, I have noticed on our content and anything I've watched on YouTube, no matter where you place that ad, YouTube might swing that a second or two in either direction when they actually feed the ad to you. So you're watching along and the creator may have been really careful about exactly at three minutes in that ad should play. And they present you the ad at 258 or they present it to you at 302. So you got not quite the end of the scene or you got a little bit of the next scene and it's YouTube serving the ad at a time code close to where it's supposed to be, but it never seems to be exact. So what you're noting is actually not bad editorial on what's being sent to YouTube. You're noting bad, I guess, digital algorithm feeding you the, the ad back out. Nobody has a bad digital algorithm. No, it's all good. It's, it's some it's of my favorite good. stuff. Yeah. Ryan Sandberg asks us to pick any car, driver, and track combination to be driven around within an inch of your life oh, man. that would scare you the most and be the most fun. Okay. Ken Block up Pike's Peak. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> scary. Yeah, I think you win. Fun. I, scary. I think you win. Yeah. Fun and scary. Mm-hmm. Scary. <laughs> Maybe mostly scary. There are a couple of really good track daily crushes. I'm going to start uh, right here with Luke Summers 14 on Instagram. It says, the Alpha Julia Quadrifolio, the G 
Ghibli Trofeo, which is a 600-horsepower Ghibli, Maserati Ghibli, or the older Aston Martin Rapide. Now, Ooh. I like the Aston Martin Rapide. It is a gorgeous-looking car. It is a useless four-door. It's an utterly useless four-door. I mean, if you fold the seats down, there's a little bit I, more I space suppose. back there. I, I'm tempted to use that as a daily. I really am. Really? Because it's so interesting. But because it really isn't a usable four-door, I'm going to daily the Ghibli. Because that sounds interesting. Really? A 600-horsepower Ghibli. Okay, a little bit under the radar, but that sounds fascinating because I have tracked a Julia Quadrifoglio, and yes, please, more of that. <laughs> these window switches are out of a Jeep. What are these doing in a Maserati? Yeah, well, it happens. Cool track day, the crush from drive to run, Cayman R, BMW 1M, and a GT350R. It's the other really good one, yeah. I am on track with the Cayman R. Okay. Constantly. Yep. I really love the BMW 1M, and I'm going to drive that all the time, every day, which means the GT350R, as good as it is, gets crushed. That's a tough one, and I, I actually think you might be right. Peter, are you there, is saying, when we store or park a car like my Elise for the winter, what do we do? Anything special to winterize it? Do we start it up? Do we let it run? What intervals and for how long do we use anti-flat tire spot uh, moments? You use the tire cradles. Tire cradles. Yeah, you use those and love yeah. them. The Elise uh, weighs like a, a pound and a half, so I just pump the tires up a little bit extra. I let it sit there. Do you and really? I, and, I, and I know that when I drive it, I have felt it because, of course, you feel everything in that car. I will get like down my block, and I can tell like, oh, flat spots, flat spots, flat spots, and then and then <laughs> oh by the time get past, then they all get get okay. I mean, I have had the Elise stored in in my house garage for a while in the in the winter, and I have I've done both. I've had where I just let it sit there, and it just sat in a coma for four months. Mm-hmm. And reviving that was hard. I've also done the opposite, which is te- kept it on a battery tender. I much recommend this. Kept it on a battery tender. Started it about every month or six weeks. If I could, pull it out of the garage and let it just sit there in the cold weather and run. I've done that as well. And then the minute that the roads are dry enough and it's a 40-degree day but there's still snow around, take it for a drive. I, that was definitely the better way to handle it. This year, I'm going to have it in a little bit colder garage. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to be a lot more diligent about starting it because I think it'll be good for it. I am going to pump up the tires a little bit extra. But uh, that's normally my process, which I can't say is the best process, but it's worked for me. My procedure involves a hyperbaric chamber. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he's not that kidding. No, but anyway, yeah. No, I do the same thing. Yeah, start it up and drive it on those cold but dry days. Even though on these really high-performance tires, you shouldn't drive on them under 45 degrees you Fahrenheit. You want the temps up, yeah. Yeah, by driving it, actually, it'll bring the temps up in your tires a little bit. But I have not had any detrimental performance. I mean, I don't drive hard and fast, but just getting the car out, even on cold days, it loves it. Anything above freezing starts to be really viable because the tires will be hot enough. But anything below freezing is a little terrifying. Sean Fisher 5 says, what is the most convenient, inconvenient car? Things like the Corvette or the Mm. F-Type with the hatch trunk come to mind or the Cayman with the trunk and frunk. I suppose it's the Corvette, that most compromised car ever. Yeah. It's convenient because it can store a lot, but it's still a low-slung sports car. The the C6 Corvette has a cavernous back hatch. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. I keep trying and failing to convince my parents to take a road trip in that car. Because it's awesome. whatever they're yes. taking will fit in the back of the C6. Uh, easy. Thank you for all your questions. Excellent questions, as always. We really appreciate it. Write to us for your car debates, Topic Tuesdays, and your car conclusions, TV at gmail.com. We really enjoy hearing from you guys. Thanks for all your emails, and we're looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone.